Hello and welcome to the Perth to Pace the Podcast, episode number 122. I am Daniel McIver, and as ever, you would think I'm about to introduce Adam Kennedy. But if you listened to the show last week, you will know that Adam spent the weekend in Berlin, where he was on a stag do. And basically, he's still in Berlin. Uh, I got a message from him earlier today saying, not going to be back, there's been a problem with strike action and planes being grounded. So... I had to scramble and get an emergency guest. And who better to mock Adam Kennedy for not turning up at all it is the return of Richard Cobb. Richard, how are you? Good, thanks. I've written down my, my first bullet point. I've written uh, Adam stuck in Germany, not too dissimilar to his political stance, which appears to have been stuck in 1930s Germany. <laughs> it's a great start. And he can't say anything. He can't say anything either. So, no. Deal with that. Plan yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm a bit croquet today. I sound like um, Nicole Kidman at the end of Moulin Rouge when she was about to nice. Good reference. Sorry. Very good yeah. reference. But yeah, massive thank you because, yeah, we're recording this on Monday, so it's coming out a day earlier than usual because Richard has gigs, he's been ill, but he's, unlike Adam, he's putting himself above the podcast and actually being here to turn up on time. So thank you. Okay. But... It's not the most positive episode in terms <clears throat> of results that we've got to speak about because since we last recorded, we have had the double header against Celtic, one in the league, one in the cup, and it, in terms of results, went the way everybody was expecting it to go. Two losses. Uh, there was a slight bit of hope potentially that in the cup game we had them at Tyne Castle. Maybe we can catch them on an off day that ended after ninety seconds, but. We'll get to that because we did have the league game, which last week Adam and me were speaking and you saw on Twitter kind of people were saying, should you just play a weekend 11? Richard, you yourself actually said on Twitter that you didn't agree with that. You were saying that you wanted to kind of give us a best chance in both games, didn't you? Initially, yeah, but then... Looking at it, looking at what we lined up on Saturday, I'm not even convinced we did feel the week at week eleven. I think we literally fielded what we had. It was almost like, yeah, we're we're saving everyone for the cup game. And then we're like, Fucking hell, where are they? Yes. So um Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then there was all the chat as well about like bringing in youth players and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was all like, Oh, bring them in. But then we couldn't even I don't think we could even feel like our field our full bench. I don't Saturday. think so. so um so they did well. Yeah, well done. For them on the Andy Irving scrap heap. Yeah, exactly. Bob and McClucky and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, who knows? But yeah, the, the big news from the midweek game was that individuals such as Robert Snodgrass, Lawrence Shankland, Alex Cochran, Michael Smith were all omitted. The belief at the time, as Richard has said, is that, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. This is tactical genius from Robbie. But it did give individuals such as Keo, Atkinson, Grant their kind of chance to impress themselves. There was a lot less expectation on them as well because the belief was, well, we're playing a weekend 11 away at Parkhead, even with our strongest 11, we're probably going to struggle. But it actually started pretty much the best way it possibly could, as within five minutes we, were, we took the lead with the man who is most in form, really, just now, apart from obvious players like Shankland. Uh, Andy Haldy picks up the ball on the far side, crosses it into Josh Janelli, who meets it with his head, which I don't think Janelli's ever actually scored a headed goal for us before now. It's always edge of the box or low tappings. But it goes to a, a VAR check. It's 1-0. 
Did you expect it to start this well? I didn't put it on the radio because I was just like, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. But then it was like, I think it just by chance, I think I saw like a Jambo's kickback update on Twitter and it was just mm -hmm. like, oh, one little hearts. I'm like, nah. So then like, I checked and then obviously that was me hooked for the next hour and a half, mm -hmm. annoyingly. Um, so yeah, like again, didn't didn't intend to, but then it was it was one of them. They they hooked me in, and then they punched me in the face like they normally do. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. The big question that I have for you is, I could Adam asked me it last week, so I'll ask you it. Is Josh Janelli the biggest priority in terms of out of contract players that are potentially being debated, such as Robert Snodgrass and kind of on a lesser extent Gary Mackay Stephen, who technically is up for contract renewal at the end of the season and even further than that I've seen some people say Ginelli is a, a bigger priority than getting a new player in completely um, I mean the way things are going yeah but I think I think what we've got to look at is obviously with like you look at Shanklin it's pushing him further back mm -hmm. but it's also got a voice so you know it's, it's literally we are pretty bare bones when it comes to the attack so it's like um, anyone that that has an eye for goal we're like Desperate, desperate to keep him. So, yeah, I think I think he is probably more important. I would say than it's one of them. It's hard because it's sort of players like Snodgrass. You never kind of fully sometimes like you don't you don't always tend to appreciate yeah like players in the engine room. You know, you kind of like let's say like Jim for example. You know, we only realized when he left exactly. we're like oh shit, we actually needed him quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But I, I've yet to see that with Snodgrass. Really, I think it's um, I think it's almost like. He's still got this skill, but it's also like if if people kind of cotton on to that, then, yeah. you know, as we've had before, they can mark him at the game or they can play pace through the middle and he doesn't really have any that to compete with. So <laughs> yeah. if you look at the other end of it, with Ginelli, people can't really compete with that. So it's kind of like, um, I, I would say he's a priority. I mean, he's keeping the wonder kid Garanquilla at the team. So, um, yes, he is indeed. He must be good. <laughs> he must be good. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll get we'll get to him in in the little gap between the two games because I have a, a a very crucial thing to speak about with him. But as you said, you got hooked. We all did. Got excited, keeping it tight for twenty minutes, taking the lead. It's going well, and then almost it feels like the inevitable happens. The counter. It's a good counter. It's played across the box. Kai Rose is kind of out of position, and it allows Kyogo to get the ball. Play across to Maeda. Again, it's initially flagged for offside somehow. I've seen it back, and at the time, I don't understand how that was flagged at all. But it was for Kyogo, was it not? Was that was that not yes, the initial? I think it was actually. Yeah, I saw some people be like, "Maeda's on a mile," and it's like, "Yeah, but yeah. that's not who it was originally checking." But yes, one all. However, then we actually get to half time. It's still one all, and if you look kind of on social media, my dad and my brother were there. Everyone was focusing on two players that was kind of unexpected. Alan Forrest and Keo were the two names on quite a lot of Hearts fans' lips at half time. And Keo, especially for the rest of the game, would get plaudits. Now, me and Adam have disagreed quite heavily on Keo. I've always been in the he's not had a proper chance yet. He's getting used to everything. He said himself that he's found it very hard to adjust to the speed of the game. Adam was like, for the money we've spent on them, no way. Need to get rid of them. Not good enough. Before these kind of few games, what was your opinions on Keo? And has the last couple of games changed your opinion on Keo? 
don't really have a strong enough opinion on him because I don't think I'd seen enough of him. Like, yeah. I think the games that he was getting picked out, I wouldn't necessarily say he was the worst, but like maybe he kind of blended in. But there was, you know, there was bigger issues which which we'll probably get to uh, when we mention that Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. But I, I think like I never saw the issue, but it was very telling that game. I think when you kind of you picked out Keo and Forrest. When as soon as like I, I'm always intrigued, like I've got this sort of sick fascination with going on the comments of um, as soon as it comes up like full time result, yeah. I always want to see who the scapegoat is, <laughs> and it's like you get people like um, Union Union Bear One Hundred One or whatever it is, like it's commented that's like oh like we need to get rid of Keo and Forrest, and I'm like wait like if you look at the first half one, it's like people <laughs> were kind of saying that they were like two of the better players, so I kind of feel I'm like you take their comments with a pinch of salt because I think they they are the well, I mean, maybe not so much Forrest, but like, you know, Key was definitely the scapegoat. Um, I think just like people need to chill out. I mean, it's as much as like it's people, like people in the past, like I don't know, Mackay Stephen, they've been mm-hmm. given an awful lot of chance to, to work at it, whereas you, you're almost expecting when they hit the ground running. And it's like the key one, it's, it's a bit like I think he's judged a little bit on his price tag rather than his, his yeah. ability, because I think without that, you, you know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be that bothered. Like I think Grant, like, was judged a bit. I mean, quite rightly so for getting sent off in Europe and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I don't think like Keo hasn't really sold sold the jersey as much <laughs> as Grant maybe had on those occasions on on the big chances. So, you know, I can only imagine what they'd be saying about Grant if there was a price tag attached to him. Yes, exactly. Uh, however, sadly, the thing that ha- everyone expected to happen happens uh, in the 60th minute. There's a bit of a stramash. It ends up at Devlin, who kind of just stands on the ball. And I don't know if he doesn't get a shout or if he doesn't think there's any pressure, but there is pressure. He loses it. They break. Kyogo scores. And then from that point on, you're thinking, okay, Garan Kuyol then comes on. And right, let's, let's speak about him now because it's so interesting seeing the way that both sides of this have reacted. We spoke about this last week and I'd love to get your opinion because Newcastle fans are of the opinion that it doesn't matter what Hearts are doing, you should be playing Garan Kiyol every minute, give him the ball at every available opportunity, even if he's rubbish in a game, keep him on for the full 90 minutes. Hearts fans are like, we need to focus on ourselves, it's not our job to develop an 18-year-old who's coming in who, if we're being honest, hasn't really shown anything in a Hearts jersey yet to justify starting. Where, where are you on his development so far? Do you think he's been given a fair crack of the whip? Do you think that the general discussion around him is a bit over the top? Where are you? Uh, it came in at a difficult time because I think obviously February, I think was it, Fe- mm-hmm. that, was it February? Was it January we were good, I can't even remember. January we went on January. Yeah. Yeah, and then February like kind of it all started going wrong so I think yeah. like the issue is it was like like you need I think he's a player that needs a bit of confidence around him and you know it's mm-hmm. like if, if the team's perform well he'll perform well but it just so happens the team haven't really performed that well uh, at all <laughs> since he's since he's yeah. come in really um, and I think it's uh, a lot of it is the problem. It's the weight of expectation. But if you look at what he did in Australia, like he'd only he'd, what eighteen games or something like that, yeah. you know, coming on the sub and stuff. And I'd, I'd watched a lot of Central Coast, uh, and I always thought he, he was impressive. But then 
like it is impossible to judge. I, I think, to be honest, the loan's probably come at the wrong time. I think if it was a season-long loan, like, perfect. You've got time to kind of bleed them in. You know, you've got, like, League Cup stages, etc. Yeah. But then as soon as it's, it's basically the latter stages of the Scottish Cup or the league, which is, by all accounts, a lot tighter this season than it was last season, mm-hmm. then it's... Uh, it's not ideal, but I mean, again, you've always got to look look after the club first, and it's not as if he's, uh, you know, we've been held to ransom our teams before. If you just look at like the Joel Pereira situation, yeah. and I'm not suggesting he's anywhere nearly as bad as that, or from what I've seen, but at the same time, you know, we've we've been stung before. So what's the point of playing somebody just because they're at a big club? To close <laughs> off the game, Haxavanovic just scores a really good goal that there's not really much we could do. It's just a good player hits it to the edge of the box, and it's well done. 3-1, but the general consensus after the game was that's kind of the most we can ask for. A rotated team, we believed at the time through choice, evidently it wasn't, it was forced, but a rotated side went to Celtic Park and didn't get embarrassed, which sadly is often the way it needs to be. Go, yeah. And we, and we wore the uh, Inter Milan third strip. We did. Was, I mean, another positive. It's, yeah. Uh, we barely wear the it. first run out of the season. Mm. Oh yeah, I think. It, oh yeah, it was. Why is that? Why did we do that? I don't, I don't know. No, I have no idea. No, because remember we did. Remember we were trying to flog the, the European jerseys. Like, like somebody was raging about that because <laughs> yeah. we were trying to sell them like with like the Euro badges, and I'm like, we never even used them in Europe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. That that trying. Suckers. Yeah. Uh, what did did this game for you have any bearing in your head for Saturday's game? Did you think, oh well, we've played actually all right there? Maybe an hour patch with hopefully all the big players back, we could get something. Or did you think it's kind of what you expected? It won't have a bearing on the cup game. I mean, the problem the problem I had, I think initially was I don't like when when either fans or management think we'll feel the weekend team so we can focus on the cup because mm-hmm. it's, it's happened to us before that we've done was it against Livingston or whatever we we played a fairly weakened team ahead of the a cup game and then did we not get beaten both or something yes, like that yes we did get beaten both um, and like it's it's really annoying because it's, it's almost like well you know if you'd actually target it like realistically we're not going to win either game so we might as well go out and try and win both mm-hmm. Um, but at the, I think at the end of that I was a bit more worried because I thought with Janelli going off I was kind of thinking, well, this could be disastrous. And then with Oda going off, I thought this could have absolutely nothing to do with Saturday because I didn't expect them to play at any point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Saturday came around and the hope was, right, we've given Snodgrass, Shankland, Cochrane a wee rest. Perfect, they'll all come back in. And then the team sheet comes out and not only the Snodgrass... Shanklin, etc., not come in, they're not even there. They're not on the bench. Cochrane was on the bench, thankfully, but we were without Shanklin, we were without Humphreys, we were without Snodgrass. And suddenly you see on Twitter, as you say, the replies to the team sheets was, oh, okay. Because then you also look at the Celtic team and they are full strength. Hatati's come back in, Jota's come back in, Haksabanovic is actually starting now. I- I'll be honest. I was very worried going in. How were you? I mean, I'm kind of worried anyway. I think it's this regard. You know, you almost don't need to see who yeah. Celtic are putting in. Um, I think such as the like the mountain 
of the task ahead of you. I mm-hmm. guess it's one of them. You're just like, well, you know, it's kind of all of these games. It's sort of all about how we play. I mean, you know, they could field anybody, but realistically, if we don't turn up, then we'll get turnover anyway. Even with that kind of inevitable fear, you always go and go and right, keep it tight, opening even five minutes, and let's see if we can build on something. But no, ninety seconds in, the ball is played to Jota, and Kai Rolls engages with him almost on the halfway line to try and win the ball. Almost doesn't get even near him. Jota just doesn't even react to him. Moves past, hits the byline. There is now a massive gap because the entire Hearts team, I don't know if they were expecting Rolls to get it, so were pushed quite high up, but they didn't, so I had to sprint back. It creates a complete overload. We're set like have six players forward. We have our back three. Cuts it back to Moy, and I will say it's quite a good finish by Aaron Moy just to kind of hit it with pace. But two minutes in, we're 1-0 down. Everybody's shouting at Rolls, understandably. What what did you make of the decision from Kai Rolls to do what he did? Well, it was kind of the goal was sort of reminiscent of uh, Ryan Jackson in the in the cup final last season. You know, that just sort of like like shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. sort of like gut punch a little bit. Albeit it was about an hour before it. Yeah, um, like or an hour and a half. But it, yeah, no, it wasn't. I could tell as soon as that mistake happened, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so you're sort of like, initially, like, what's he doing there? And then secondly, like, who's going to be back in that position? Um, and it was it was too quick into the game as well that you knew that Settle could have full pace in it and we'd be scrambling. Um, and you just have to hope for a, an error from the striker, really. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, it didn't arrive. So. Yeah, that's very fair. I saw, so for the next 10 minutes... Rolls actually kept doing this. Rolls kept engaging with Jota really high up. And I then noticed when I, I came home and, and watched kind of the first half back, Hill was actually doing it to hack. Wait, you watched the first half back? I watched the first half back because I was it's like, disgusting. I know, it's it's a disgrace. But I was thinking, what was going on there? I'm obviously there at the game, so it's hard to kind of be aware. If you don't see it initially, you're knackered because in the ground there's no replays or anything. I think it was a tactic for our wide centre-halves to try and win the ball off their wide men, basically on the halfway line, to stop Haxabanovic and Jota running forward, because that's what St Mirren did the other week against Celtic, and it was working up until they went down to 10 men, and then they had to abandon that system, and Celtic run right over them. But I think the belief was, if Rolls wins that ball, Grant, eh, Grant, Theo and Grant both we're on the halfway line, and then we have the front three of Mackay, Gino, and uh, Halliday was kind of around the area as well, just doing whatever he wanted to do. But the problem is, if you don't win that ball, like Rolls didn't do, you suddenly then have basically a six-on-three, a six-on-two overload that, even if we were playing St Johnston, if we were playing Ross County, if we were playing Dundee United, teams towards the bottom end of the league, you would think this probably isn't going to go very well against the best team that we've seen domestically in a very long time. It's it's a risky decision. Do you think it is that? Do you think it was a tactic? Or do you think Rolls has just thought in that moment, oh, it's Jota, if I let him run at me, I'm probably not going to be able to catch him or tackle him. I'm going to try and just hit him. I think, uh, I feel like it was too early in the game for it to be any kind of 
form of tactical thoughts. I think it was headless chickens. Yeah. Given the way that Celtic started, I mean, it it, it might make sense. I'd, I'd like to think that we weren't trying to imitate Saint Marin. I think that would kill me. Um, <laughs> but if it was, it didn't work. And the fact that Saint Marin did it better gives me a lot of hope for the last two months of the season. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I tried. I, I didn't overanalyze it. I just took it as a, a usual. Oh, that's the way that the game's going to be. <laughs> that's very fair. Um, weirdly, then, and you might disagree because I saw it very much divided a lot of opinion at halftime. I felt like after that initial fifteen-minute period, where they it felt like they could score at will. Just whenever we got the ball, it felt Celtic were tackling us. But then after that fifteen-minute period. We settled into the game. We had the chance where Halliday gets played into the box and tries to play it back across the face of goal. Doesn't actually lead to anything. Then we had our best chance of the half where a corner's flung in and Sibic does really well. He turned in the box and volley it. But it's a good save by Joe Hart. I actually felt that we were not going to get something from the half, but I was thinking, right, we've at least got a game plan here it's working reasonably. It relies on the defence being really good. Xander Clark had to keep making ridiculous saves. Up, and at one point, he made like a triple save. That it was like, right, we kind of just rely on this. But generally, yeah. it was like, okay, we're actually doing all right. Did you feel that? I've seen some people be like, no, there was no positives. It was just terrible. I saw somebody say it was the worst first half performance of the season. I would personally disagree with that. Yeah, that every but, week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd say I'd say you can gauge a worst half performance by a team worse than us. Like yes. it's, you can't say like that's the way that probably Celtic were making us play. Yeah. And I think that's that's what I'll get onto as well. That people need to remember, like it's like one of the best Celtic teams like since I don't know Brendan Rodgers and Vincibles. and it's mm-hmm. like impossible. <laughs> and it's yeah. Uh, yeah, you get like there's gonna have to be so many elements for for us to get result from that. Um, so. Yeah, I, I thought I, annoyingly, um, I felt like a right prick on my own in the flat when I uh, celebrated uh, Civic's uh, miss. <laughs> <I was just laughs> convinced it had gone in just because it was like the way that he, he hit it. I was like, there's no way he's getting that. Um, so, yeah, that was disappointing. Um, but, I th- yeah, I think that was the, the the thing with that as well, though. I was like, if that's not going in, then I'm like, is that going to, yeah, you know, is that potentially the way the day's going to go? So, um, yeah, I, I still felt it was, uh, yeah, I still had hope, but then um, that quickly died. Yeah, that quickly died right at the end of the half as you're thinking, right, always in most games when you're either 1-0 up or 1-0 down, you're thinking, right, don't concede either again before half time or don't concede before half time. We're doing very well here. And when I got to about the 44th minute, I genuinely thought, We've done, we've got to half time here. I think we're going to get to half time. And then one of the characteristics of the Celtic team is that they're very intense, they're very high energy, they play very quickly. They get a corner and very quickly take it. Our defense doesn't really seem to be aware of that. And then Rose is at fault for the first goal. A lot of people are saying Kings is at fault for this goal because if you watch the highlight back, actually, at the time, you see you physically see Rolls shouting at Kingsley to go and stop the cross. But Kingsley is holding a line, even though Kingsley's actually in front of the rest of the defence. So he's holding an, an imaginary line, but in his head, he thinks it is valid. He doesn't. The ball is played in. And listen, 
It's a great finish by Kyogo, a back heel. There's not much you can do against a quality, a player of that quality and face a goal. But again, it's just so frustrating that right at the start of the half, right at the end of the half, the game's dead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that face yeah. sums it up perfectly. Just resignation. It was... Uh... Yeah, and, and I noticed as well, like, I mean, it's, it would be my paranoia, but I always notice that, uh, like, see if there's a see if there's like a potential for a handball. I don't know if it was in this situation. It might be, Maybe it was before when it wasn't punished. I always seem to think it annoys me when I'm like, I think that could have been a handball. And then I'll see Celtic pinging in like 10 or 15 other passes before it leads to another move. And I'm like, I feel that's deliberate. So I think, I think that happened <laughs> in the, if it happened in the same mirror game, I can't remember, but I was just mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is so irritating because yeah. I'm like they're not going to bring it back for that now. Um, so yeah, I remember remember feeling annoyed about that, um, and then I was probably still dwelling on that when when that goal went in. <laughs> um, so at that point, I was completely regretting paying fourteen ninety nine um, for for the the game. Wow, yeah, it's things. Yeah, I paid I've got Scotland with... the nationals with that as well, though. So that's that's one positive, I guess. You're fine. You're fine then. At halftime. There was two people who kind of everybody was speaking about online. And uh, if you, I, I was at the game, but according to the Viaplay stream, there was also a discussion about these two players. Byron McKay and Stephen Kingsley. Now, two players who last season were up for player of the year votes, were universally the two most beloved players of the team in terms of numbers. They were outstanding this season, something's happened to them. I don't really know what it is. If you have some insight, that would be great. But I feel like this half, especially, really just did for the because I get it. There's some people going, "Well, listen, it's all right. Mackay's still doing okay. He's still got that ability to play that pass. That even if he does nothing for eight and nine minutes, he can still do that." And Kingsley still, oh, he'll get back to that form that he was in. It very much was just like a magnifying glass and going, "No, these guys are." completely out of form what what do you do um it reminded me actually on saturday i watched um watched a second disney called finding michael okay basically it's a guy spencer matthews from made in chelsea right his brother died on everest like 25 years ago and then he goes to try and bring the body back basically right and and i was watching this having watched the first half and haven't watched the whole whole Celtic game. And I just kept thinking it was like a metaphor for Barry McKay's career. I'm like, <laughs> you know, maybe in 25 years they'll try and find it. Um, <laughs> but at the moment it could be dead on Everest, really. It could be. Um, yeah. Like, I think it's the same with... Um, I'd written that better. I wrote that on my phone and it was hilarious. No, um, it's, uh, I've, I fucked it up. But anyway. Um, Much so like now, Barry like, McKay's ability as a footballer. Yeah, I feel uh, the same way that I was hoping that, that, that Berra would come good after that injury against Celtic and thinking like, oh yeah, no, you'll definitely find form. But then it's sort of like, it's, it's slowly like, when do, when do we take it out the back and then put a shotgun to its head kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, that's fine. But um, I don't know what it, I mean, I don't know I don't know what it is with, uh, like, let's compare uh, when Craig Gordon just had a kid. Remember that, and like, and it was this whole thing of like, um, mm-hmm. oh, his form, like maybe he needs to sleep and stuff. His form's gone out the window, and I'm like, I know Barry McKay's just had a kid as well, mm-hmm. but um, it's like I don't think it's made him any worse. But you know, it's no. definitely not like, is uh, it's, it's been clear for weeks and months even that he's mm-hmm. just he's not been on it. But 
who else who else do we play in that position? That do you think that's the biggest contributor that Nielsen almost has to play him because in front of him, it, sorry, behind him is eighteen year old Garankio who's just getting used to professional football and Yutara Oda who stopped playing football in November because that's when his season finished, basically is in pre-season mode and just got hurt at Celtic Park. There isn't really, and GMS has a broken foot and is probably never going to play for the club again. Do you think he is suffering from just the fact that we don't have an alternative to him? Yeah, I don't like, is it, is it one of them that you, if there's no one to compete for the position, do you, do you lose a bit of, yeah. you know, drive? I don't know. It's, uh, We've seen before, obviously, him lacking confidence, but then kind of finding it again. But even against the you kind of the bottom six teams, he's, he's not really doing much. So, like people keep saying, it's like, oh, last time you said that, like he he scored against St. Johnson, blah blah blah. And I'm like, you can't keep dining off that. You know, yeah. it's just like it's yeah. You, you need to be doing that consistently for for you because like it seems mad that those two were with him, like talking about for the Scotland score. Yeah. And if you think if the Scotland score gets announced next week, I'd I'd be terrified if either of those two made it anywhere near the, the team. So um, yeah, disastrous. I'm, I'm not quite. I don't know because even with Kingsley, I mean, I guess with his his form, it was all coming down to his. Uh, was it like a head knock or was he out with concussion he got, or something? He got two concussions reasonably, or two head knock. I don't know if they were both concussions, but he got one concussion and another head knock reasonably close to each other within a month. I think it was right. Maybe if we give him another one, he might find form again. Maybe. That's a good point. <laughs> Better than the heat. Um, so, yeah, second half starts, no changes, which a lot of people were surprised at. A lot of people were shouting at, get Cochrane on for Kingsley, get Mackay off. If you want to bring somebody else on, go for it, but we won't really know the difference. And then, again, it's 2-0 already. Celtic take their foot off the gas completely. We then do make a raft of changes. Keo makes a challenge that basically gets a standing ovation when he gets booked. Uh, it does, I think it forced Robbie's hand in taking him off uh, for Devlin because it was like, right, you're getting sent off. Absolutely, because you're too up for it. But again, he got brought off and it was the first time, as I've said, I've seen Keo get such a positive reception. And I am just really chuffed for him because he spoke about how hard he, he found, like the, even the language, he's found that really hard to, to deal with and he's slowly getting used to that and if, I'm going to try and find a positive slant to put on the last two games, and I do think Keo is the positive. Just to just to go back, did, was it the first half that um, Halliday could have conceded a penalty? Oh was yeah, I forgot about that. Second? Yeah, let let's mention that. How was that not a penalty? I know. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like there's often often in games I kind of wish there was that that kind of like oh we were hard done by blah 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 because then at least it, it makes me feel a little bit better in my head yeah but I'm like no I'm like that's like we got away with that definitely in that game um, yeah. and yeah very surprised that it didn't even like in real time I would have said that was a penalty um, yeah. and VAR very surprised it wasn't given um, yeah. I mean ultimately yeah, it didn't make a difference but you still have Celtic fans bleating on about it yeah um, exactly yeah, we'd have been crying for it like, if that wasn't given. Uh, oh, we'd, we'd be ballistic. Back, like, that would have been the controversy this week, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Atkinson, Forrest, Cochrane all come on. And Atkinson's addition to the game is in the 79th minute. Carter Vickers actually 
is on the edge of our own box, goes towards the corner flag where the, he's actually been shut down and Atkinson just kind of swipes at him and just goes, right, I'm bringing you down. Gets booked. Then from the ensuing free kick, Carter Vickers meets it in the middle of our box. Somehow the big six foot three guy is completely unmarked and it's 3-0, gone. Xander Clark can't do anything for any of the goals and you're just thinking, just blow the final whistle. But you could argue, did he, did he punch one of them out? Did it like he punched one of them out? Did that not lead to a goal? Potentially, actually. Potentially. Oh, I don't want to it. He punched the <laughs> second out for a corner that led to the second goal. Right. So, yeah, find it. Yeah. You're getting blamed as well, Xander. Keo is the only positive. Okay. Well, the thing, the thing we come back to you is sorry to keep kind of. Reversing back over what you'd said, but the thing about Kiro, I think he almost needs a like to kind of fully get like the rest of the people on board. I think he needs a kind of like the the civic moment when when yeah. suddenly everybody like rolling from the stands and stuff, and it was like every challenge was smashing. He needs a game like that, and I think he, that needs obviously we need to win a game that he plays well in mm-hmm. to have that full kind of back in. And I feel like he's he's probably got it in his locker, but. um do his 10 teammates. That's the question at the moment. Yes, so, exactly. Well, that brought the end to the double header against Selig. Out the cup at the earliest, with the exception of the Brewer Rangers fiasco, the earliest that we've been out for ages because we kind of keep getting a hand in and get embarrassed by the old firm. So at least we avoided that, that day trip out to just be sad at the end of it. Um, but what that now means is, is that third is it. Third is our main priority. There's 10 games left of the season. Five pre-split, five post-split, which means we have to play the old firm one more time each. I think it's Rangers at Ibrox and Celtic at Tynecastle, I think. But the way scheduling goes, it could be anything. And this weekend, one of the teams that could still be in the hunt for third, we don't know, as they've kind of steadied the ship a wee bit, is Barry Robson's Aberdeen. Travelling to Todry a place where we do not have a very good record in recent times. We don't know the injury situation. If you listen to the evening news today, there is hope that at the very least Snodgrass will be back. But as you said, Aberdeen are quite good at just recognising an issue in midfield and marking them. So we don't know what will happen there. Shankland is touch and go, if you listen to what Nielsen's saying in press conferences. How are you feeling about it? Do you have any ideas of team that you'd like to say or individual players that you'd like to either say play or potentially not play and be dropped for their own good? Uh, I think it's always hard because I think Aberdeen, even when they were kind of shit was hitting the fan, they were still doing pretty well at home. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, which is, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, what, they're up to fifth now or something like that? Yes, yeah, so they're up to fifth. They are eight, eight, nine points behind us currently. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's the, the thing you've got to look at is it's um, it, it does feel like a must-win, really, just for, mm. for giving us a bit of breathing space and for kind of turning the ship around a wee bit in the sense of Hibs have got Celtic, so you wouldn't think they'd get anything from that. And it, it pains me to even think that they would be challenging us with third, but that's the situation as it is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, kind of kick Aberdeen back down a peg or two. I think it's like, we need a big performance, but um, 
we needed a big performance on Saturday and we didn't get one. So, you know, it's, uh, again, different opposition, but at the same time, going by how we normally turn up at Aberdeen, it's just, we got to work out, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'd like to say, this is a game that I'd like to see Keo get a start and just kind of go for it. I don't know their situation. I saw, I saw on Twitter that they were saying that they've potentially got a few injuries going into it as well. Oh, so, God, sorry, wait, I've got something else to say. <clears throat> go for it. <laughs> if you can slice this back into the, uh, the cup stuff, Go for it. Um, <clears throat> another thing that annoys me is the um, the continued like insistence of we're in all maroon, like yeah. it's going to bring us some sort of lucky charm, mm-hmm. which is uh, the last couple of years has brought us about as much luck as Daniel Stendhal's Harry Potter necklace. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> you know, and it's it's one of them. It's kind of I, I feel like it's it's harking back to two thousand and six, like when when everything was going good then, and yeah, we've won a couple of times in it. But I feel like it's it almost feels like a a weird kind of, I don't know. There's a weird thing about like Hearts winning Maroon and Scottish Cup, and I don't quite understand what where it's come from. Um, yeah, and I'm aware that wasn't the reason we got beat, but I just felt that was another thing when I saw that happen, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good. Um, yeah, I like the idea that people are looking at that 0506 team, which was basically like roided on money and going. The reason we did that is because Bruno Aguar wore all maroon. I like that. And that is a thing that annoys me as well. I remember, I can't remember who we put, we, did we play in all maroon when we got we at Easter Road under Cathro? The 3-1 game where like Goncalves missed a penalty and stuff like that and Augustine got sent off. I saw we play in all maroon then and I remember thinking, some folk will be like, we've played in all maroon so it's, it, we're going to do well here. It's like, We've got Avlinitis and Jack Hamilton playing. We also played, we played, uh, yeah, we played Omaroon in the season we got relegated, did we not? Yeah, we did. Our strip. Yeah. Um, nobody remembers that. No, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. hopefully we don't play in Omaroon this weekend. Can I get a score prediction from you for this weekend's game? Uh, two all. Oh, I was going to say two all as well. One all. <laughs> It's two two all is definitely going to happen now after we've I would take a draw. It. I think I would take a draw and that's that feels quite defeatist, but I think what given if Hibs don't get anything and then we keep Aberdeen at arm's length, then yeah. it's not the worst. It's something to build on. And it's uh, obviously I'd love a victory against them away, but it's uh, yeah, I think we're a bit of a, a wounded horse at the moment. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, before I move on to the quiz, I would like to ask if you have any other bullet points that have become, by the way, this has become a thing now uh, people, I can't I'm really, really sorry, I can't remember your name but at the Celtic game someone came up and mentioned the podcast to me and said, one of the highlights is that every other guest is a normal, traditional guest and asks questions but they, they really like that Richard arrives with his own points that he just puts onto the podcast so it's becoming a segment now Wait, what did the others do? I mean, I haven't listened to them. What did they do? No, the others just very much sit and just whatever I, me or Adam ask, they just make a point and then that's it. They just oh, keep okay. going. But people very much, as I say, your episodes, people, it's the most interacted ones we get because people like that you come in and just go, right, here's bullet points. We're talking about this. They're going to hate it because it sounds like I've been drinking nails now. Um, That's fine. I put uh, bullet point two: the Nickelback podcast. We promised. I thought this uh, could be in it. Uh, when we get to the quiz, Nickelback may be coming up. Okay, good. 
Um, um, <clears throat> I've had the same amount of appearances on this podcast that John Suits had for Rangers in the last year. Well, hey. Uh, Crofts. I saw your tweet about Crofts. What was the What was the tweet? Something about a dog getting felt up. I don't know. Yeah, it was something like that. Crofts is always like completely fascinated me because it's like how can you have a talent show for dogs when they're not really aware of what what any of that is human exploitation i think yeah it's exactly yeah let's let's bring down crafts cancel crafts um, I've, <clears throat> I've crossed this one out a bit bucket hats more like throw them in the bucket hats um, <laughs> very nice yeah um oh and that was all i think because I, I was kind of i had quite a lot of um I wasn't feeling great on Saturday, and uh, I remember getting quite annoyed at some of the fouls not getting given in the <laughs> in the settler game when I was thinking back about it. And then I remembered it was the FIFA game that I played before that I didn't get a free kick, and I was like thinking I was like oh, some like injustice and stuff, and like reading the BBC report, being annoyed about it, and then thinking <laughs> no, that was actually in the game before. So uh, yeah, and that led me to being annoyed as well. But the goals that we conceded were all like. FIFA goals. Yeah, they like were. If you're playing your mate and you'll put the cross in, and that seems like every goal we ever concedes against Celtic yeah. is always the same kind of low cross in. But anyway. And just, just on the sidelines with a PS5 controller doing it, and Nielsen just doesn't know what's going on. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, we'll get into the quiz. By the way, you because I know you won't have listened last week, there has been an addendum made to the quiz from your episode that people, it's for listeners, apologies that I'm going to mention this again. Adam got very defensive over it. Basically, when we get to the who am I, Adam broke the rules that wasn't a rule previously, but gave you the answer as a result. So this in this who am I, when we get to it, you cannot ask player initials as one of your questions. People got very angry at the suggestion that you could do that. Who? who like, who's got enough time in the date? Who got annoyed? Name and shame. Right, my dad. My dad is one of them. Hearts, okay. though. Hearts, though, on Twitter. The Twitter account Hearts, though. They they were right. fu- they came up to me and were furious about it. And then we got emails. A guy called Peter. Apologies, I can't remember your surname. Peter. And then people replied and commented on the video going, well, we could all get that if you just ask for initials. So we're nipping that in the bud. Okay. So just going forward. You'd, I know you just your first question is going to be, what is their first name as a way to get round it? But we'll see. But anyway, starting the quiz, the first question is, going off your bullet points, Nickelback released eight studio albums. How many of them went platinum? Uh, like across the world? or It can be in any country. As long as it went platinum in one country, how many out of the eight? Uh, three? Oh, you've you've underestimated Chad Kroger and his ability as a singer. It's seven out of the eight. No. Their debut album didn't, and then all other albums that they've produced did. So when people say that me and Richard are wrong about the talent of Nickelback, that's just facts. So there's nothing you can't you can't dispute that. So Deal with that. You're zero for one. It's a bad start. This is actually the yeah. first time that the quiz will make sense for you in your head because there's no one else that I can ask. It's just you. So the point system will work properly. 
And I'll still win, probably, at the yeah. end of it. Yeah, probably. You're going you're gonna to go home with something. True I'll or false? Quiz for you. you should have done. That would have been good. Well, next time you come on, you can make your own quiz. Good, good. It'll probably be next week as Adam will still be stuck in Europe. But we'll see what happens. True or false? And if this isn't right, you can blame my friend Aaron, who's a Celtic fan, because it's technically a Celtic question. Not technically, it is a Celtic question. With his goal against us on Saturday, Aaron Moy now has more goal contributions than starts for Celtic. True or false? Hey, I'm going to say true, because it's a weird question if it's false. It is false. That's oh, what... Fuck you. Why are you even asking me that? What a stupid question. Did you say a Celtic fan came up with that? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's a disgrace. False. He's had 20 starts with 17 goals and assists. Delighted for him. Yeah, well done. Right, he anyway, doesn't have any hair on his head. So who's the real winner? Yeah. Exactly, Aaron. Question number three. Who was the last Hearts player to score in a league victory at Pitodri? I can tell you, the game finished 1-0. So it was the, the one and only goal. Uh, well, I can remember when John and McGee scored an own goal. Or you know, he <laughs> yeah. didn't. He, did he not? He uh, he gave a penalty away. He, That's what he, he did. jumped up Slapped and grabbed it. the ball. Yeah, yeah. I'll also give you the year. I'll tell you, it was February twenty sixteen. Oh fuck! I forgot. Can I can I can ask questions? Can't I? Yeah. Can I? Or is that later on? I'll let you ask questions now as well. Adam's not here. We can break all the rules here, and so that you get more. Yeah, but we don't want these like we creeps coming out up to you at the football though. True. Like, well, know. I'll give you that. In February 2016. So there's a clue for you. Uh, uh, what was our strip then? Like, uh, who were we I, can t- I, I can tell you the exact kit. It was Save the Children. And on that day, it was the white one. Like the all white with a wee badge. And I think we were still umbral at that point. Maroon, yes. Maroon sleeves? Yeah. Was it so... Oh, he was playing and he got the assist, but it was for Abiola Dowda. Wouldn't have got that. Yeah, that's it. It's very hard, but yeah, he's the, so we haven't won at Pitodri in the league since twenty sixteen. Wow, basically, uh, multiple choice question. Josh Ginelli is enjoying his most prolific season in front of goal for Hearts, but how many has he scored in all competitions this year? Is it six, seven, eight, or nine? Uh, eight. Oh, you're one off. It's, oh, it's nine. seven, isn't it? It's nine. Oh, fuck is it? I thought it was seven. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. He scored eight in the league and one in the Scottish Cup at Easter Road. Right. So, right. It's going well. It's, it's going, going really well. well. It's going really well. Who am I? Here we go. So, you've got five clues and you get two questions and it's one guess. So, I have played in the Netherlands, Scotland, and Morocco. I represented my country at the Olympics. I played in a historic game for Hearts. When asked about my first season at Hearts, I described it as a bad year personally, despite the club having on-field success. I made less than 20 appearances for Hearts. Who am I? So you've got two questions. Two questions. Okay. Uh, What was his home country? Uh, his home country was Morocco. Did he 
Did did he play? F- oh, fuck. Uh, which other Scottish club did he play for? None. Just us. Oh shit! That doesn't help me at all. Um. No, what? That's because I realise I actually my clue doesn't make sense. I'm going to give you that as a, you get a free question. That was yeah, wait, what was one of the, you said one of them was a big a big game like Yeah, so it? um one of the clues is I played in a historic game for hearts. So you, I'm just going to give you you've still got another question. Was it El Hasnu? He's done it. He's got it. You're two for two. Did he play in the, was it the 10 0 game? He came on as a sub in the 10 0 game and got a got an assist for it. He got yeah. an assist for so. So you didn't even need the other question. You just used the two that you got, so people can't even shout at me. Because I, because I was going to say Reras. That's why I thought initially. Ah. I was like, uh, did he play Hibs? But then, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's so also, there's a big concern that, like, it's inadvertent racism. That's that's why I was kind of like asking more questions. But uh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. So yeah, El Hasnui played in exclusively Netherlands for De Gracia. Spot Rotterdam, us, and then in Morocco he played for IR Tanger. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, he played for Morocco at the Olympics. Fair play. Well done. Yeah, came on against uh, Kevin Beath when we won 10 0. He described his first year in that championship season as a bad year for him because he missed six months of it because he was hurt, basically. So even though we won the league with the most amount of points ever in that division and we were like amazing he was like nah I did I had a bad year and then yet he played 18 games for us scoring four goals with three assists fair play him he did very memorable well. apparently yes exactly but yeah yeah that's you now have the best record for who am I for someone who's appeared more than once you seem delighted. You seem absolutely <laughs> delighted about it. I mean, the rest of it, I, I completely tanked the rest of the uh, the quiz. So That's fine, though. The, the who am I is important because that is what will annoy Adam. Good. So we're fine. But massive thank you, Richard, for coming on at such short notice. When you're ill, it's much appreciated. I hope you've enjoyed your time with just me now, not Adam. And my voice was going. It was definitely going at one point. Um so, if you could tell, hence why the microphone's close to my face. That's <laughs> but, um, Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I mean, it'll be torture to listen to, I would imagine. Um, but That's yeah. no different to every week, so it's fine. But good. if you have enjoyed it, which we hope you have, please let us know on social media. Richard, where can they get you on every form of social media? At the Richard Cobb, unless you're a Celtic fan, in which case I've probably blocked you because I've had a horrendous last couple of weeks with you. So, yes, at the Richard Cobb. We are at Perth to Paisley on all forms of social media. I am at dmacaira22. If you've enjoyed this, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you've watched us on YouTube, then please leave a like, comment and subscribe. Perth to Paisley at gmail.com. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with Adam back in the country to discuss the Aberdeen game and everything else that happens between then. But until then, we'll see you next. Bye-bye.